Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Welcome in to the Diamond Vols podcast on GoVols247.com. I'm Ben McKee, joined as always by the one, the only, Wes Rucker. Have a big weekend of baseball to discuss. One final question mark weekend of baseball at Lindsey Nelson Stadium this season. We certainly know that it will be the final weekend of baseball during the regular season. Uh, Tennessee's chances of hosting are still alive. Hosting a regional in the NCAA tournament are still alive, but uh, the the chances are probably not great. Uh, but again, at least they're still alive. You you win this weekend, you beat Kentucky, you you beat South Carolina next weekend. Uh, both difficult tasks, but also very doable. And then probably win a, a game or two. And uh, you will be hosting, which will be very important for Tennessee, especially given how they have played on the road this season. Uh, But in order to get to a regional, you got to get through Kentucky first this weekend. And that will be a big challenge for the Vols. And it'll also be a fun matchup and one of the better matchups in college baseball this weekend. Kentucky ranked number 17, according to D1Baseball.com. Tennessee ranked number 23. So we've got ourselves a, a little top 25 matchup at Lindsey Nelson this weekend. And, and before we get into this weekend and our thoughts and, and keys to a series victory for Tennessee, you want to take a step back and Look at Tennessee's win over Austin P on Tuesday for a quick moment. The second to last midweek game of the season, which is hard to believe, Wes. But nonetheless, here we are. And uh, not a, a very entertaining baseball game, per se. I, I thought the story line was that, hey, Charlie Taylor hit a freaking grand slam and Christian Scott hit as Hit, hit a baseball as well as he's ever hit one in his life. And, and he's he's had some impressive hits this season and has been one of Tennessee's better hitters, as we discussed on the podcast earlier in the week, recapping the loss to Georgia over the weekend. But that ball that Christian Scott hit to the deepest part, part of the ballpark, and it was, I think it was 100 miles off the bat, if, if not harder, and traveled 438 feet to left center. Again, the deepest part of the ballpark. I, I thought those two home runs were kind of – uh, the the big stories and the fun storylines coming out of what was mostly a, a ho-hum midweek baseball game. Yeah, I think those are probably the storylines. I, I would say that it, it got a little spicy there uh, in, the, in the eighth inning, and that was interesting because for a moment it really, really looked like uh, Hunter Hensley had been thrown out of the baseball game, which would have left him out of the game Friday, but it did not happen. I'm still not sure exactly how it didn't happen. Uh, maybe the umpire was telling him to get his arm loose. I I, I don't know, but it was that, that was interesting, and, and that whole brouhaha with the play at the plate when the Austin P pitcher got a little fired up, ran his mouth, and when you run your mouth at Tennessee, that's what is usually going to happen, something like that. The, the Vols did not take kindly to it. 
Uh, although Tony Vitello said, you know, that he should have been happy. They just gave him an out. So, I mean, at the plate on, on sending Burke uh, to, to the plate there to get thrown out. So, anyway, I, I thought the, 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 the pitching was, was pretty decent. And, and I thought, uh, aside from the walks, which were horrible, but that, that's a rarity with the Frank Anderson pitching staff. I'm not too, too concerned about that. That's just as long as it's a one-off, that's not a big deal. But, yeah, I mean, Christian Scott hit that ball about as well as I think he's probably ever hit one. That was – uh, 438, deepest part of the yard. He knew it right off the bat. He was kind of walking, basically. He knew he had gotten every bit of that baseball. Um, and Charlie Taylor, how can you not be happy for that kid uh, to, to hit a ball like that, to square it up? I mean, a no-doubter right off the batter's eye and center. Uh, sounded like a – Von Tellison sounded kind of like a buckshot coming off the bat. It, he really, really clocked that one. And, and then Griffin Merritt absolutely obliterated – uh, basically a two iron off the bat late in the game. Pinch hit first bat. First pitch he saw went out on a line in like a two seconds. That thing was out of the yard. Uh, that, that was impressive. So they, they got the job done. A uh, little You'd like a little better command on the mound, but uh, you, you like what you saw a little bit offensively. Blake Burke needs to get going. Uh, he had one smoked single in that game, uh, which would have been one of the 10 hardest balls hit in Major League Baseball all year. That's how hard that ball was hit. Blake Burke hit that thing at 116.1 or something, I think, off the bat, which would have been top 10 this year for MLB, even though he's got a, a metal bat in his hand. But still, Ben, I, I thought it was business handled, uh, no, no big drama, uh, more good than bad, but some stuff to clean up. Absolutely, and you're absolutely fair in pointing out the walks that Tennessee gave up. They gave up 10 uh, walks on the evening, which was a season high. And that is the reason that that the game was a little hairy there for a moment, uh, a, a close ball game uh, until those late couple of home runs. But I'll be honest with you, I just don't really care because Tennessee went out of its way to avoid pitching its really, really key arms. I mean, you didn't see Camden Sewell. Uh, you obviously didn't have any of the starters pitching. Uh, Zach Joyce is, is still working back. Um, and I, I don't know where he's at in terms of throwing on a mound, but after Thursday's media availability, when they were doing PFPs, pitchers fielding practice, right after Tony got done, which is how they start uh, practice, at, at least on Thursdays when we wrap up our media availability with Tony, uh, they, they were doing PFPs, and Tony was hitting, to, hitting them to him, and uh, Zach Joyce, I mean, he wasn't pitching, but he was throwing the baseball around uh, as if he was not super limited. Did have a sleeve on his arm, uh, but but seems to, to be promising. Ju- just observing uh, there, obviously, and uh, Camden Sewell did not pitch. I was kind of surprised that Seth Halverson got in there at the end, but I, I think that was more because they had to have another arm to finish the, the game because yeah. Tony only let Xander go one inning, Hollis Fanning go one inning, Jacob Bimby throw he, he well i don't let's see how many batters he faced he faced three three and got one out uh fitzgivens faced three batters kirby faced one batter and and all of a sudden you've used like five or six pitchers your, your typical midweek pitchers and it's like the fifth inning so i i wonder if that's why halverson got in there at the end because they kind of needed somebody i mean I, i'm sure there was a, another freshman or so that they could have thrown out there but also doesn't hurt to, to try and get seth some work because uh, I don't know that he's been bad the, the last month or so, but he hasn't quite been himself and trying to work him out of the, those kinks. It, it was just uh, an, an odd matchup night in, in terms of Tennessee putting its its best foot forward on the mound. 
you you did have familiar faces. Don't get me wrong, but Tony Vitello on Monday when he joined John Wilkerson on the Animal for his weekly interview that he does on Mondays after the weekend, he, he said that he was going to avoid using any significant arms, which in kind of in hindsight, he did end up using Combs and, and Halverson. I don't consider him using Kirby. Kirby threw three pitches as he typically uh, does. Xander yeah. threw 15, pitched. He was awesome in that first inning, uh, had two strikeouts in a one, two, three inning. Uh, but I, I just, I feel you, but I also don't think it's that big of a deal because yeah, that's what I said. Ford, I, don't, I don't think it's a huge deal. I think it's just you don't like it, but if it happens again, then. But for once, man, four of the ten walks were from Bryce Jenkins. Uh, he he did not have great command. Did did bounce back and and managed to to find himself a little bit there through fifty six pitches. Um, but uh, Bryce Jenkins has even kind of fallen down the totem pole of trust here uh, of late. Uh, so I don't think that that necessarily impacts Tennessee for the weekend. And so that was four of your walks. And then two more were from Andrew Binky, a freshman who's not going to throw on the weekend. So six of the 10 walks were from two guys uh, and, and two arms that, yeah, Jenkins could could get in there. I, I guess we saw him. Was it last the home series against Mississippi State? Jenkins came in after Dolander. So, yeah, I mean, he was thrown into a tough spot. Yeah, he, he's uh, a fringe guy, like back end of the yes. pen fringe guy. Yes, if, if you need somebody to eat innings because your starter doesn't last very long, which is exactly what happened against Mississippi State, although uh, Tony probably should have kept Xander, as we discussed uh, on the pod, I believe, in the game. Um, but they, they like Jenkins' breaking pitch and, and wipeout pitch more than they like Xander, so that's why they made that move. And, and Bryce has been pretty good against lefties uh, this season. But you're right. Uh, th- that's kind of his his lane, uh, the, those early inning appearances if if you need somebody to to eat innings so i i it's just midweek games at this point in the year it's just like everybody's it's like the old marshawn lynch line uh everybody in the ballpark the the home team the vols the the away team whoever it is that that week the 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 family members the coaching staff the media members the the ushers the the concession stand people, the the ticket people, everybody in the stadium is there so we don't get fined. I mean, that, that's at this point in the season what midweek baseball games feel like. And that's that's fine. I, I thought it was also good. Something else to, to note, Wes, it was good to see Kavar's tears back in the lineup. Yep. Didn't really have anything to show for at the plate in, in terms of what the box score says, but, but looked pretty good in the box. And I, I was very impressed by one of the plays he made in right field. There's a runner on third, less than two outs. Obviously caught the ball, which is simple, uh, but then made an excellent throw, hurried up and, and got the ball in and threw it on a, an absolute rope to Blake Burke, who was the cutoff. That's man. a hose, it, it prevented man. Prevented that third baseman from tagging up. That's a hose, man. He's got an absolute. I knew he had a strong arm, but there's been a couple times this year because the scouting report going in this year was like, hey, if you see him like this, kick and throw it a little bit. And I'd watch some of BP him flinging around in an infield, outfield, and stuff, and I knew he could throw it a little bit. But a couple times this year when he's really let it go in the game, I've been like, oh. Hey there, young fella. That is that is a right field. That is a position appropriate arm. Like when the scouts do the whole the classic, like you know the the coach uh, or the scout hits sits there with a fungo on the pitcher's mound, hits the ball to right field. Everybody throws to third base. Like what scouting things have like to the end of time. I guess now it's showcase events and things like that. Everybody wants to see that. All the outfielders go to right field no matter what position you play. Coach hits a fungo. Uh, the scout does pick it up, throw it on a line as best you can to third base. That's how they test your arm strength because that's the hardest throw in baseball uh, from an outfielder. And uh, I'm pretty sure Tears would absolutely 
ace that test like Jordan Beck. He has got an arm. He does. I, I'm really excited to to watch him play every day next season. Not not trying to get too far ahead of myself because there's there's still a lot of baseball left. A short amount of time, r- really only a month, month and a half at mm-hmm. most if, if Tennessee is able to make a run. Uh, less than three weeks or right at three weeks if, if they fail to make a run. So we're, we're right here at the end, but still a lot to play for, obviously, with the SEC tournament coming up and uh, these last two weekends, Tennessee trying to, to pull off a miracle, it feels like, and, and host the regional and, and then the road back to Omaha. But uh, looking ahead to next season, I'm really excited to watch him play every day. I, I don't know whether it'll be as a designated hitter. I don't know whether it'll be in, in, in the outfield in some capacity. Um, I, I would lean towards saying yes, uh, because I, I think he is a, a terrific defender. I, I even think it would probably surprise people that he's probably ahead of Dylan Dryling as a defender uh, as well. He he moves around a lot better than somebody who Kavar's tears are thick. He he's got a lot of power yeah. in that body. He he is his, like an like an elephant a little bit on the lower end, man. He can he he's, yes, he, he's a horse. He, yes, I mean Tennessee football needs a he's a short yardage back. Maybe they need to look into Kavar's yeah. tears. Yeah, uh, because he he is built down south and. Uh, he moves around well for somebody who who does have uh, uh, elephant legs. I, I guess you could say it to use your phrasing. Um, but I I think he can move well on the bases and and out there in the outfield. And and we just talked about his arm. I, I think he's a guy that uh, is absolutely a front runner to be an opening day starter for sure, whether it be DH or outfield. But even more so, just extending that thought and saying I, I think him and Inslee are. For sure, going to be two of the three outfielders when when you take that early look towards next season. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think they're, they're they're still if Ensley goes on an absolute heater the end of the season this year, I don't think he would go. But he, we do need to note he is draft eligible. I mean, it is potentially. I mean, he, this is his third season, and uh, the way he's played some weekends in this league, you think, hmm. Now, does he have a like a high round draftable tool. I'm not sure that he does, although he is starting to look really, really comfortable in center field, which is, which, which is helpful. And uh, he's got a little bit more pop in the bat than you think he does. Uh, he runs pretty well. A competitive kid. You know, I, he'll probably come back. I would imagine, but I don't think it's like set in stone or anything like that. But, but it would. I would imagine that those two, along with Dryling, will be in the everyday picture right like i think in terms of when they put up when they put and chapman too right, right there too i think when they put out sort of a four or five man kind of outfield dh situation there i i think those guys will all be will all be in the picture and 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 i keep saying this too ben this is a a, a wild hair thought for another day but if they really need to over this summer blake burke needs to really 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 focus defensively on working on his game. When he goes to summer ball, he needs to take as many reps as he can. He needs to play first base all the time. He needs to have a good fall. There are times where if he does not bring his glove a little better than he does, okay, fella, you might be a DH. Um, because they, if you're playing for keeps and you're playing at the level they want to and you're playing for championships, it, it, I don't think it's harsh. I don't think it's rude. I don't think it's inappropriate to say, they need better defense on the right side of the infield. Like first base is a position that it's kind of like marinara sauce in a way, right? Like everybody can do it, but some people can do it really, really well. Um, but you can't burn it. Like you gotta, you gotta be solid over there. 
you got to make solid plays. And he's kicked the ball around too much this season, had too many errors for that position. And if they don't get that straightened out, then you might have to look at like a, you know, an Ensley or a Tears at first base or something like that because they need him to improve. I, I think that's something that people have been afraid to say. I'm, I'm not afraid to say it. I think it's the truth. Do you want to be like a Dan Vogelbach type, like a better athlete, obviously, but do you want to be just a DH? Is that what you want to be? Um, or do you want to be an everyday player like in the field? And if he wants to, he's going to have to get better over there at first base. You're not wrong. It's not just him. And and I know you agree that Christian Moore needs to, to have that mm-hmm. same approach uh, this, this offseason. Uh, I joked in the press box the other day during the midweek game that this summer, I, I don't know what Blake Burke's plans are at this point. Um, I, I'm sure he'll play summer league in, in some capacity, uh, whether that be the Cape Cod. Obviously, he's good enough to go play in the Cape Cod. I would or, imagine he's in the Cod, probably. Yeah, but there's also Team USA. Don't don't know mm, if he'd be invited yeah. to to that. And he's also a Cali kid who is a long ways from home for practically year round. So mm. I, I I wouldn't blame him one bit. I, I know Cape Cod's better competition and whatnot but hey there's still college baseball players in in those leagues out in cali i think the top cali league's probably a top three league probably in the summer yeah 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 for sure it, it's just not it's still a it's a top three league but it's still a step down from from the cape cod and, yeah. and team usa obviously uh but i would not blame him one bit if he wanted to go spend the summer at at home uh and, and spend more time around his his family i, I that's something that i would do if, if i were in his shoes i, I know that's a, a tight-knit family for sure um but we'll, we'll see i mean it's not just but he's got to play but he's got to he's he, he's got but i i think when you have the upside that he does with more you know talent comes more responsibility more expectations and it, it's it's I, it, I just feel like nobody has said this much this season it's like oh, another error there or a little error there but it's like no nah, man, like do do that that could impact impact like the top half of the first round of the draft next year when somebody's like, man, if he were just a little better defensively, maybe we can develop that. But I don't know if I want to spend this many millions on him. Like, dude, fix your glove, and there's no there's no problems. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know that you're you're standing on a pedestal and and being the only one. I just kind of think it goes without being said. Quite honestly, I, I think everybody knows that. Blake Burke is is not the defender that he is the hitter and, and needs to improve. That's kind of been the book on him since high school. Yeah, I, I didn't and I didn't want to. The only reason I brought it up was I think it came in conversation because we were talking about shaping the outfield and four or five guys for three spots, and we right. said outfield slash DH. And I'm like, no, no, you could have first base slash DH if that if you want to put your best nine on the field and your best nine lineup. Uh, that you know, it's something you may have to think about. Yeah, and Hunter Inslee and Kavar's Tears have certainly played first base, and one of those two guys would be playing first, I imagine, if Blake Burke got hurt and, and couldn't play. Now, I, I, Blake Burke, I, I'm looking at him and saying improve defensively because I don't want to move Hunter Inslee from the outfield no. with how well he's played defense. I, I don't care how big of a need first base is. Uh, the outfield defense is is just as important, and Hunter Inslee is a huge reason why the outfield defense is, has been so much better the second half of the season. And uh, I haven't really seen Kavar's tears at first base uh, a ton, even back in the fall uh, when Blake Burke wasn't playing first base or when they were scrimmaging, the other first baseman was Hunter Inslee. Uh, and if not Inslee, then it was Ethan Payne. So uh, I don't I don't know how Kavar's tears would 
would operate over there at first base. Uh, I would imagine he he would do just fine. Uh, he's athletic. He has good baseball instincts. He's just a good baseball player. Uh, but honestly, Tears kind of seeing that arm in the outfit. I, I don't want to move him and, and from the yeah, outfield. And, and, and he's not like and six, waste three. that arm essentially. Yeah, he's not six three or six four either, which kind of helps over at first base too. The height, the the yep. size helps tremendously. Yeah, no doubt about it. But the joke that I made the other day in the press box uh, when referencing Blake Burke playing this summer, assuming that he does something uh, this summer, because there are guys, and, and more so pitchers than hitters, yeah. um, because it, it's actually good to, to take the summer off for your arm if you're a pitcher. Mm-hmm. Some guys also just get burnt out and, and want to take a summer off. But Br- Blake Burke doesn't strike me as as that type of guy. But my joke was that he needs to be all-time first baseman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for every t- whatever league Both he teams, plays yeah. for, he needs to. It needs to be written in his contract for the summer that, in, in whatever team that he plays for, if it's the the Sacramento Walnuts, every Sacramento Walnuts game, regardless of the opponent, Blake Burke is permanent first base. Mm-hmm. He he plays first base when the Walnuts are in the field, and he plays first base for the other team. And I don't care if Pete Alonso. Or Anthony Rizzo is the first baseman on the other team. Blake Burke is is all time first base. Yeah, and, and if, look, and if you don't like it, he'll take his ass to the Cape Cod. Deal with it. <laughs> that that's right. Um, so uh, Blake is is a talented baseball player and, and has yes, I, I think has an IQ that can be really really good. Uh, he, he's just always been a guy that he just he just hits the baseball. Um, but to be the all around player that I, I'm sure he wants to be. Uh, defense is going to be very, very important for him uh, this offseason. And again, like I, like I was saying, it, it's not just Blake Burke. Uh, Christian Moore ha- has had a rough year defensively uh, as well. And kind of like I just said about Blake, I mean, that's always been the the knock on Simo on is can he field the baseball well enough consistently? Uh, because they, they both make nice plays from time to time, but it, it's it's a matter of making the routine plays consistently. Uh, and that's something that certainly needs to be addressed. And for money at the next level, season. too. For money at the next level, too, Ben, because if you, his bat is elite at the college level anywhere, but as a prof- like a professional, like a potential major league player, his bat in the middle infield would be infinitely more valuable than his bat as like a corner outfielder. Where I mean, you know, I mean, there's guys like Mookie who could do anything and it's fine, but like, you know, he's, 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 he would be better for him if he could play in the middle infield. If he could play second, that would that would be nice. Yeah, and I do think defense has the importance of it has gone down a little bit, especially with the universal DH and with how dominating pitching has been the last X amount of seasons. It's kind of corrected itself this year because of the the shift ban and some other stuff, the mm-hmm. the base running rules. Yeah. Uh, but pitchers are are as good as they ever have been. Uh, so the the emphasis on on finding consistent plus hitters, I, I think teams are willing to sacrifice a little bit defensively, especially uh, with with the DH rule or the new DH rules and it being universal. So I, I do think that that plays into Blake Burke's favor. But you're definitely leaving money on the table um, by not in improving as a defender. But he has a great work ethic. He's a great kid. He'll put his head down and. I'm sure it's it's bothering him more than anybody on the planet, and I'm sure he'll work his butt off this season. And it's a money try year. and get it corrected. It's a money year too for the both of them next year, so I would imagine those gloves are going to be better. That's just a thought. Yeah, I would I would think so. Uh, one last thing before we get a break and then preview Kentucky on the other side. Uh, speaking of Kavar's tears, Wes, how would you handle him being back in the mix 
Uh, he did start against Austin P on Tuesday, but it, it makes for an interesting situation because obviously uh, Jared Dickey, Hunter Inslee, and Christian Scott are going to be your three starting outfielders all three games all weekend long. So that leaves Dylan Dryling, Griffin Merritt, Kavars Tears all vying for that for that DH spot. And I, I think against lefties, Griffin Merritt is going to be the guy yeah. because Tears and and uh Dryling are, are lefties, uh, but but against righties, I, I think it's a fascinating conversation. I, I will say that Kavar's tears, according to Tony on Thursday, has not been completely let let off the the leash of being a hundred percent back. Like they're still easing him into things, and and they don't want to just feed him to the wolves. Uh, but man, th- th- those are three bats as as you and I have talked about several times throughout the year. I wish there's a way for Dryling Merritt and tears to be in the lineup every single day. But Tony and this staff, they they focus on defense. He said this in one of his interviews over the last week. They worry about defense for the start of the game, and then as the game plays out, depending on how it's going, then they make adjustments, whether it be defensively or whether it be in the field. But they prioritize defense. So that leaves three guys who deserve to be in the lineup every day, and I wish you could get them in the lineup every day. But there's just not room for him. Yeah, and I think it's good that Dryling, especially, and also Merritt of late, have been really, really effective pinch hitters, which helps to um, – because the problem is when you're a great pinch hitter, it's great to be known for that, but it also kind of sucks to be known for that because sometimes that means you're going to be on the bench for six or seven innings before you get in there in a big spot and go in there cold and try to hit. So that's not what anybody wants to do. So I wouldn't be shocked if even if it's a righty who's not like a super power arm, if Merritt – starts it wouldn't shock me at all um, because dryling's been such a really 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 good uh weapon there as a as a pinch hitter and tears i i don't know that they're quite ready to do that i need to look at what kentucky's pitching plans are for the weekend because i know they kind of mix it up and do different things and it's kind of hard to it's kind of like you know it's, they're all over the place there and and so sometimes some weekends so it wouldn't surprise me like if you've like won the first two games Maybe you throw tears out there Sunday um, if you can do that. Knock on wood, you know. Obviously, um, so I don't know if he's depends. On, it depends on how ready Tears is, because if Tears is ready, like I definitely want him in the mix, um, because that bat is really, really, really powerful. But 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 Dryling and Merritt are really decent options too, and they've both proven they can be pinch hitters. So long story short, against the lefty, I'm going Merritt. Uh, against a righty, I'm probably going Dryling. Uh, the first two days and maybe tears the third day, but that's just a thought. Yeah. And because Christian even, Scott has to start, start, stop everybody else out there. Stop being stupid. Stop tweeting at us. Stop posting on the board. Christian Scott, his numbers in SEC play and his defensive metrics, he is like sharpied in with super glue on top of it, on top of the depth chart in terms of being on the field. He is going to start. So you're going to, even against the lefty, he's going to start. So, deal with that and it would be coaching malpractice for tony to not have him in the lineup <laughs> for for so many reasons that everybody wondering why christian is is in the lineup and and uh being frustrated with with vitello for having him in the lineup no that that's the absolute right decision it, it would be asinine to not have christian scott yeah. in the lineup that that would be the coaching malpractice that everybody thinks is is happening i i do think it's a it's become a 
a, a very small minority. I, I think most people realize Christian Scott's value and, and have really begun to appreciate what he has done, especially in conference play uh, this season. And this weekend's pitching for Kentucky, they're doing righty in a game one, lefty in game two, and righty in game three. So righty, lefty, righty. So we'll definitely see Griffin Merritt on uh, on Saturday in that game two. And, and I don't disagree with, with what you said about dryling and, and tears, kind of alternate them on Friday and Sunday. But, man, even against a righty, it, it would be hard for me to leave Griffin Merritt out of the lineup with, with his thump and, and dryling and tears obviously have thump as well. But uh, Merritt is as red hot as, as anybody right now. And, and dryling's numbers, we talked about it on the podcast earlier this week, his SEC numbers aren't as, as great as I think people realize. Yeah, it, 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 it's a tough decision. It's one of those things that it's a cliche, but it's true. It's, it's a good problem to have, but by definition, it's still a problem because you've got a bunch of guys that have pretty good, but not like rock solid arguments. You got a bunch of guys who have pretty solid arguments to be there every day, but not like ironclad have to put them in there every single day types. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a good problem to have, but you know, you just, here's what's going to happen. Tony's going to have to make a decision on that and play whoever he wants to play and needs to play. And he'll talk to Elander and Frank and other guys about it. And they'll make a call. And then if that person goes three for four with two home runs, it's great. If that person goes zero for four with three strikeouts and two of them looking, then people are going to call Tony an idiot because that's what, that's what this is. Well, no, none of them are going to go over four with two strikeouts because Tony wouldn't let it get that far before pinch hitting uh, true, for them true. later in the game. That that is the one benefit. Uh, it's kind of just like rolling the dice and and rolling with somebody and seeing how it works out. Because uh, I, I don't really think that there's a wrong decision. Uh, t- to be honest with you, I, I think the wrong decision would be tears or dryling against the lefty. Uh, and that's just not going to happen. That, that's going to be merit all day yeah. uh, on Saturday. But if it's dryling or tears in, in the first game and either one of them have big games, then I would say it's crazy to to not start them in the third game as well. Like why alternate if, if one guy ha- had the hot stick in, in the opener? It's just also sends, I mean, it, it sent the wrong message to the team, too. It's just throwing paint at the wall and, and hoping it sticks. And then kind of midway through the game, if if one of them is. 0 for 2 with two strikeouts or 0 for 3 with two strikeouts and a weak ground ball, then they're going to get pinch hit for. Uh, that That's the value of, of having depth. So uh, speaking of those Kentucky pitching plans, we will go more in-depth on the pitching matchups as a whole this weekend right after we take this time out here on the Diamond Balls podcast on GoVols247.com. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back in to the Diamond Vols podcast on GoVols247.com. I am Ben McKee, joined by the one and only Wes Rucker and his Rocky Four homage shirt that is A plus 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 and his Cubs hat, which is F minus minus minus. And before Wes gives a retort, uh, I will suggest that you please or request, I should say, I'll suggest it and you can do with it as you wish. But I do request that you go like, rate and review the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast because you can find the Go Balls 247 podcast wherever you want. Yeah, you, you, you can really find it wherever you want. You know, I got a matching t-shirt of these for our former co-worker Grant Ramey because he insists that it's the worst movie ever made. And so I think he's probably Russian or you know, communist because he doesn't he he thinks the Cold War should have Cold War should have gone the other way apparently. So I got him uh, matching t-shirts and I was texting him like, "Hey buddy, matching t-shirts today?" He's like, "I'm not wearing it." I'm like, "Come on, man." But then when he didn't do that, I got him like a big, huge, like double size movie poster of it for another Christmas. <laughs> I just basically taunt him at Christmas by giving him Rocky Four gifts. So that's where this T-shirt sounds came like from. you wasted your money. Yeah, but uh, I'm all for a good gag. Yeah, but then again, all of us don't make West Rucker money, so that that's also something uh, to consider. What's worse, saying that it's the worst movie ever made, or not seeing the movie at all? Um, probably if you haven't seen it yet, then you don't have an you know, you, you're, you're still like, uh, you, your brain can be formed a little bit, you know, like you can, you can, you can get informed, you can get in the right, you can, you can, you can get in there and fight and understand what it's like to be American and fight for a war, for a cause that's greater than yourself. Um, but if you've, if you've seen the movie and, uh, the, it is a lot of montages, it, 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 listen, it's, it's not an Academy Award winner, but if you don't like it, you can go to hell. Political thread delete. Political thread delete. I'm just saying. Thread love love America. Love America. Uh, I've seen the first Rocky. I haven't seen the rest of them. Ooh. I could have another podcast just on this. That's a we'll, we'll call that like a June July assignment, perhaps. That's fine. It's honestly on my my. I have a things. I have a list on my notes on my phone of things to watch and just and skip it's on five. There. Skip five. Skip five. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. That's the. It just watch one through four and then the creeds. Don't don't don't. Don't do oh, it. I've seen all the Creeds. Michael B. Jordan's my favorite actor. Yeah, so don't, just don't do Rocky I, Five. Seen, don't do Rocky. Well, five. I haven't seen the latest Creed uh, because it's impossible to go to a movie these days, and uh, yeah. it's not yet necessarily available to to watch on on any of the streaming services without paying thirty dollars. And I refuse to do that, so I'm waiting for it to make an appearance in a red box. Well, or uh, Paramount Plus, which you can get for free for subscribing Ooh. to GoVols247.com. I have Paramount Plus. There you go. As an employee, I should I should hope you do because if not, you, we should have told you about that. <laughs> I even I even had Paramount Plus before I became an employee. That's how great of a product it is. I agree. Good plug. Uh, indeed. And, and speaking of Rocky, Tennessee is going to be on its Rocky these next two weekends, especially uh, this weekend because it is going to be a heavyweight 
contest at Lindsey Nelson Stadium. Ken- Kentucky is not flashy, Wes. Uh, they, they don't play sexy baseball. They they don't hit a lot of home runs. Uh, in fact, they're last in the SEC during conference play uh, in home runs. Um, let me double check that. Yes, last and, and by a significant margin. Kentucky has hit 17 home runs during conference play, and Missouri is second to last, and they've hit 32. Yeah, 32 to 17. That that's how big the gap is from 13th in the SEC uh, to 14. So Florida that's, has hit that's, 48. That's Dave Serrano ball, basically, is what they're doing. That is, and 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 part of it is playing up there at that. The the stadium is is nice. Nice. It's a very 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 nice facility. I was very impressed when I was up there last year for the game. But playing in in the conditions up there is is just miserable. And a big park uh, so too. It's a big park, miserable conditions. So that does factor in. Uh, but Nick Mingione, his brand is very Dave Serrano esque. I mean, it it is. Uh, Nick Mingione is is what. Tennessee fans hoped Dave Serrano was going to be, quite mm-hmm. frankly. Uh, he, he's been very successful up there uh, with a small ball approach. Like I said, they're last in the SEC in home runs, but they are second in batting average. They're hitting 282 during conference play. Uh, they are second in on-base percentage at 405. They've scored the fourth most runs at 167. Uh, they had the fourth most hits with 216 uh, and they lead the SEC in triples with seven, which also is probably because of the, the big ballpark that they do play in. Uh, fourth in, in walks drawn at 123, actually tied with Tennessee for fourth in the league. Uh, they they don't strike out uh, fourth fewest strikeouts at, at 195, uh, but then this is where they're really good. 27 sack bunts, which is first in the SEC by 15. They are first in the SEC and sack bunts by 15. South Carolina is second with 12. And remember, this is numbers during conference play. Uh, and and then the other thing that they do really well is they steal bases, which is not good for Tennessee. They are first in the SEC during conference play and stolen bases with 43. Uh, they have the most steal attempts in the SEC with 53. They are 43 for 53 during conference play, trying to steal bases. Uh, so it's it's a weekend it's it's odd Wes uh and let me run through the pitching just for a brief moment because the the pitching is very similar in terms of they don't have guys who are going to overpower you uh like Tennessee they they don't have guys that are that are probably going to be high round draft picks because their stuff doesn't pop off they don't have just a ton of velo or the the best breaking balls but they throw strikes that's what they do they throw strikes uh, in terms of strikeouts, they are second fewest in terms of strikeouts during conference play. Uh, only Georgia has struck out fewer batters than Kentucky this season. Uh, but they're second in ERA with 476 ERA, and the opposing batting average is fourth in the SEC at 246. They just do all of the little things really, really, really well. So I kind of see this weekend, and I didn't even mention the defense. They're tied for second in fielding percentage with Arkansas uh, at 984, and they have committed the fewest, second-fewest errors with Arkansas. They've only committed 14, while Tennessee is tied for the most errors in SEC play at 31. Tennessee has practically doubled uh, Kentucky in errors. So I see this weekend going two ways, and this is a real simplistic way to to look at the weekend, which is how I like to do things. Uh, that's how I like to operate. I'm a simple man. Uh, 
Tennessee has more talent, natural talent. They they can throw harder. They can probably hit the ball f- further. All those things. They're, they're going to have more guys drafted. They're, they're going to have guys that that play in the league, uh, in the minor leagues, get to the big leagues. More likely than not, Tennessee's going to have more numbers in that department. But Kentucky plays better, good, fundamental baseball. They, they play baseball the way the game was designed. And a couple of episodes ago, I, I ranted and raved about how miserable it is to, to watch Tennessee just simply play fundamental baseball. It was going into the Vanderbilt series, and I was very annoyed by how they run the bases, how they field the baseball, how they don't pound the zone, how they have poor at-bats at the plate. Kentucky checks all those boxes. So Tennessee's talent is either going to overwhelm Kentucky, which other teams in this league who have similar talent and more talent than Kentucky, they haven't been able to do that. They're either going to out-talent them or all these things that Kentucky does really well. They do all the details well, and Tennessee does not. That'll be the reason that Kentucky comes into Lindsey Nelson Stadium and takes two of three or even sweeps them. Yeah, Kentucky is annoying. Like, if you're playing Kentucky, I would imagine they are very, very annoying. I've not seen them as much as I've seen some of the other teams in the league because I was able to say some stuff about Georgia last week because I've just randomly come across them a bunch throughout the year watching the flipping through the channels and stuff and watching games. Um, but Kentucky's a team that, like, I've seen them a few times, and when those stats bear out when you look at what you see on the field. They are probably, like, if you're a baseball purist, they it's a it's a beautiful brand of baseball. It, I hope that the game never lo- loses teams that do this because I, I think the, the era of 450-foot home runs and 105-mile-an-hour fastballs, that, that's fun. It is. It's fun. It's really fun. Um, but also, like some of the old stuff, bunting, action, stealing bases, moving around like that. That's sort of the baseball that a lot of us grew up watching and 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 enjoy it tremendously. But if you are playing Kentucky, they are annoying as hell because it, anything that you give them, they are going to take. If you give them bad pitches, they're going to spit on them and go to first base and steal second. And then they're going to bunt that guy over to third base and they're going to put the ball in play and score a run. And they're going to do all of that just because you didn't throw some some good quality competitive pitches at the plate to, to the first batter. Like if you walk the leadoff batter, most of the guys in that lineup, especially against Tennessee right now, put them on second base. So they're going to play ABC baseball. I don't know if they're going to have a ton of like crooked number innings, but they could have a lot of single-digit innings if Tennessee doesn't do what it needs to do. And Tennessee needs to make plays defensively. Do not give this team extra outs. Uh, make competitive pitches. You know, avoid walks. But also, stop, please, for the love of God, throwing 0-2 and 1-2 pitches like center-cut fillets. I know I don't think they're trying to do that, but they're doing it way too often. And they're not getting away with it because guess what? These are SEC athletes, and they have metal bats. They're going to hit that. They're going to hit that. I don't care how hard you throw it. I don't care how fast it's spinning. You put something right in the wheelhouse, it's going to get paint. That's just how it goes. Um, but they they just if they execute on the mound and get good starts on the mound, everything else I think will fall into place. Tennessee runs into trouble, like a lot of teams do, if it's baseball, when the starting pitchers don't, go out there and give you a good, solid start. 
Like, you know, Dolander's done this a lot throughout the year, giving up a run or two early on, and then he ends up being having an okay outing, but wasn't great. You know, Beam is like consistent, consistent. Ooh, and then he has one where he, where he kind of, you know, Lindsey, I think for, with what they've asked him to do has been pretty good, if I'm being honest. I think he's been, for throwing a guy into that situation this late in the year, He's done really well. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna spit on that. That that guy's done a lot of good stuff. But if Tennessee does what it needs to do on the mound and just catches the baseball, make routine plays, make good pitches, everything else takes care of itself, and Tennessee wins this series. Because I don't know how much these things matter. Maybe they matter a little bit. But that was the only series Tennessee lost last season was going up there, and the the weather was crap. Ben, you were up there. It, it, it was not a pleasant weekend. You were waiting around. It was cold, rainy, trying to get games in. And Tennessee was kind of just wrecking everything in its path and then goes to Lexington on the tundra, has a bad weekend, and there you go. And I don't know how much, because some of the big leaders on that team last year were gone, but some of them are still there. And I, and I think they're probably like, hey, guys, if we don't handle our business, these guys are going to beat us. Like these guys right here, they you watch them warm up, you're not going to be impressed. You're not going to be impressed. You see them in their uniform with a couple of exceptions, you're not going to be impressed. When you watch them play the game, you will be impressed because every mistake you make, they pounce on it. And that that's their game. And if you play good baseball, you beat them. If you don't, you lose. Yeah, they, they just play really, really good fundamental baseball. And uh, that that has been Tennessee's weakness. I, I know I, I said this on the podcast earlier this week. Everybody wants to talk about Chase Dolander and then Chase Burns and, and this pitcher and, and that pitcher. And like that has obviously contributed and, and the offense being cold at times that that obviously contributes as well. But Tennessee's biggest issue and, and when it struggles, it's because they don't they don't take care of the details. They, they don't, and this is a weekend. Yeah, you have more talent than the other team, more natural talent, but talent doesn't matter if, if you can't handle the the good fundamental things that go into baseball. I mean, that that's just the way the cookie crumbles, as Kirby Connell said on Tuesday following the win over Austin P. Just sometimes that's that's how the, the cookie crumbles. I, so, wonder, I wonder if uh, Kirby really thought he was just going to face one batter almost every single outing this season. He couldn't have, like, per, like – I mean, I'm sure they had a meeting preseason or whatever telling them what the roles might be, but, like, and he's cool. He'll do whatever you ask him to do. He's an awesome kid. But, like, sometimes he's like, I can get some other guys out too, you know. I can do that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Kirby's a, a fascinating character and, and an awesome dude, um, and he, he's been fun to to cover these last couple of years for sure, and, and he's had a really, good, really really good season. But I, I don't think he expected to, to face one batter practically every yeah. time he has gone into a game uh, this season. But he, he is the ultimate team player and is more than happy uh, with his role. Uh, Tennessee, you you hit the nail on the head, Wes. Uh, they, they just they, – they can't beat themselves uh, because you Kentucky pounces on you. If you beat yourself that that that's how Kentucky gets you that that's how they they jump up and and, and bite you and, and I'm not at all sitting here trying to say that they don't have talent uh, because that's not the case they absolutely do have talent uh, it's just because they play a different brand of baseball that doesn't automatically make you successful like they have good baseball players don't don't get it twisted. So Tennessee can't beat itself. I think the other thing, to, to be a little more specific that they have to do this weekend, Tennessee that is, 
they they have to get to Kentucky starters early uh, because when Kentucky has struggled this year, and this is the the case for most baseball teams, uh, that's that's why people rave about Tennessee's pitching depth. But Kentucky lacks pitching depth. Their their starters are good, and the guys that are are really well known at the top of their staff are, are really good. But they they don't have they don't have depth. Uh, and when Kentucky has struggled this season, it's been because they they lack depth uh, and they just kind of run out of pitching uh, for the weekend. Uh, and their bullpen uh, has gone through the ringer at times. So uh, th- this is a team that I feel like you should piece together good at bats against. Uh, the, the fact that they don't strike out a lot of guys is is why I say that. Uh, because you know you're going to see pitches in the zone, and I think that you can be aggressive and, and maybe pounce on some pitches. Uh, and and even if they're not pounding the zone, and one of their starters does not have their command, then you kind of know that you you can sit there and and take some pitches as well. So uh, I, I know that's a that's a, a goal each and every weekend and and each and every game. But uh, can Kentucky's? I'm not saying that their pitching staff doesn't have any depth at all. But when it has struggled this season, it's been because they they ran out of arms. So uh, Tennessee has to find a way, not only early in baseball games, Wes, but early in the series. By the time Sunday rolls around, ideally for Tennessee, Kentucky's pitching staff will be gassed out. Yeah, I look at it like if, if Tennessee slams the door in Kentucky's face, Kentucky's not good enough, to, I don't think, to break through the door. However, if Tennessee leaves the gate open, Kentucky is more than good enough to come in there and ransack you. Like if you make mistakes and you do dumb things and you, you know, you don't get into their bullpen, you you, you kick the ball around in, in the field a little bit, you know, you, you you have a couple of uncompetitive at bats, you do stuff like that. You, you know, the, the, basically every single base error that you make in this game is going to be a double. Because they're going to steal second. And, and, and that's like, okay, it's not just one base. You're, you're basically, you kick the ball in the infield, that's a double. You know, that, 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 puts, that, that puts you in the right mind, the mindset, the context of what this means. Because of the way Tennessee pitches and the way that they, you know, don't get to the plate in a hurry, it, it's just not, it's not conducive to controlling a running game. It's just, it's just not. And that, they have things and they have the way they do things and that's fine. But that means that when you kick the ball in the, in the field, it's not a single, bro. That's a double. And that's that guy's in scoring position. These guys all day long will take a single or an error or a walk, hit by pitch, whatever it is, bunt him to sec- steal second, bunt him to third, score him on contact. They'll do that. They'll and, and they'll do that and they'll score six runs on you by never getting more than one run in an inning. They'll do that because they'll just take what you give them. And so if you're Tennessee, you need to start well. Your starting pitchers need to have command. They need to be on point. And if they do that and they don't kick the ball around in the field, Tennessee's the better baseball team. And, and, and I think by the end of the series, they could be mashing them because they of the depth. So you just got to get there. You got to do your job because if you start Friday and you give a team some confidence and, you know, then, then it's on, man. Then it's on. But if you go there and throw some punches, then okay. Then you, you, you've, you've done something. I agree. And like I said earlier, I really think it's as simple as, Tennessee's talent is going to overwhelm Kentucky. And again, not that Kentucky doesn't have talent, 
but they, they there's a reason that they play small ball, and that's a style of play. Uh, Kentucky's not the traditional Mississippi schools or the LSU's, Florida's, or, or some others. It's it's a little bit harder to recruit to Kentucky, and that that's kind of their competitive advantage. It, it I'm not going to say it's this drastic, but just for the sake of a comparison, it's almost like running the triple option in, in football. Yeah, you, uh, just you, trying to find a competitive advantage. Yeah, you can practice bunting inside when it's five degrees outside. Maybe, maybe that's part of it, right? You can you can practice bunting all year long there, baby. They got they got a, they got a facility they can go indoors. They can do that stuff all day long, man. Because uh, for half of the year, you don't want to be outside in there for half of the season. You just don't. And, and oh, by the way, speaking of practicing bunting, I watched Tennessee practice bunting for like thirty no. minutes today. No. Yep. 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 Who who looked good? I didn't pay it that that much. Oh, I, I watched. I was working while watching, so I wasn't watching super. Uh, in in depth, um, but they 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 do work on it and have worked on it all year. I, the difference is that Kentucky makes a concerted effort to bunt on a regular basis, and and it's not just a Tennessee issue. It, it's a a a sport wide issue. Bunting is just not emphasized as it is emphasized because people know it's still a, a main part of the game, but it's also not emphasized because people don't ask their players to to bunt a ton. So it's like these guys aren't really getting a ton of repetitions. I mean, yeah, like it's important to be able to bunt off a machine, but it's it's totally different to get in a game and and bunt off of a pitcher, uh, a human who has human error. You know where that pitch machine's coming. You don't always know where that pitch is coming from a human. So uh, it, it's not just a Tennessee issue. It's a, it's a sport wide issue in my opinion at every level because it's just it, it's somewhat of a lost art. Uh, until it's a close game late <laughs> in the game, and, and then all of a sudden you want your guy to bunt. I honestly think uh, the the sport is putting its players at an unfair advantage. I think they're they're setting the sport itself is setting them up to failure uh, for failure because it's just not emphasized the the way that it was used to. But uh, again, Kentucky has talent, but that's also kind of their way to to gain some ground on the on the Vanderbilts and and the Floridas and 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 whatnot. So Tennessee is either gonna out talent Kentucky and it's going to be a great weekend for Tennessee or I think it's going to be death by a thousand paper cuts for Tennessee uh and Kentucky's going to come in here and play good better fundamental baseball and uh they're going to look like a significant better baseball team because they do all the little things right and and don't beat themselves I mean it's really going to go one of those two ways the last thing for me Wes I'm real interested to see how Kentucky's pitching staff the the starters look Friday night has been odd for them uh, they've started four different guys the last five weeks. Uh, they, they've started like a Logan Martin, who is a D3 transfer. They've started a Darren Williams, who has been uh, a good guy out of the bullpen for them for a couple of years now. Uh, those are more your bullpen guys, uh, but there's also been a, a Travis Smith who will start on Friday night. He's a, a redshirt freshman, was a big-time high school, high school prospect uh, coming out, and, and he's been really impressive uh, this this season, even as a redshirt freshman, has a 3.62 ERA. He's a righty. Uh, last week against South Carolina, six innings, gave up one run, uh, and, and he will be starting the series opener uh, against Tennessee, like I mentioned. And then Saturday, Tyler Bosma, I guess that's how you say his last name, Bosma, Bosma, uh, he's a graduate transfer. He, he's been very up and down this year. He is a lefty, uh, but he has a 5.04 ERA. Uh, over 12 starts so you would like to think that Tennessee could take advantage 
uh, in that spot. And, and then Tennessee will be uh, facing a tall task on, on Sunday when it faces another righty in Zach Lee, Kentucky's Sunday starter. Uh, he's he's been really solid all throughout the season. Four and two, a three point five four ERA in eleven starts. And last week he was absolutely awesome. Uh, was the Collegiate Baseball National Player of the Week. He he struck out twelve South Carolina hitters, uh, and, and it was the best performance of his season. And and has been pitching really well these last couple of weeks. So uh, I, I I do think Friday and Sunday. It's not facing Paul Skeens, but it's also not going to be easy for Tennessee. They're they're going to be going up against two really good arms, and and then I'd like to think that Saturday, that's when Tennessee w- will be able to strike against a lefty that has a plus five ERA and, and has struggled this season. But we've also seen Tennessee the last two years struggle against lefties here and there. And I think that's also not just a Tennessee thing. That's also kind of a, a sport-wide team. You, you see teams struggle with lefties out every now and then. But uh, if you're a Tennessee fan, that that's the day you still feel good about the offense on, on Friday and Sunday because, again, they're not going up against Paul Skeens, although they are going up against really good pitchers. But that Saturday game, you'd like to think with Chase Dolander on the mound, get a couple runs early, and, and that, that can maybe be the difference in the series. Well, Tennessee has a hard time against junk because if you think about it, Tennessee almost never sees junk like practicing because, and this is a credit to Frank Anderson and the staff that they've built. Like when you're going through preseason scrimmages and practices and fall camp, like you're not seeing a lot of like the Connell types. Like they, they really come at you with, with petrol, like they do and, and, and spin rates and, so Tennessee, they're like, I mean, they're Superman-like schemes. That can be a little different because he's not human. But most guys, like the good stuff, Tennessee's fine with that. That's what they're used to. That that dog will hunt for them. They, they have a hard time with uh, with some of the junk because it's just they're not the only team that's like that. But, you know, they just they struggle to, to hit junk. And I think that's – I think Kentucky's doing the smart thing, and I've said this a long time. If you look at the roster in your league – and you think you don't have like a top half of the league talent roster? I think you need to never pitch your best pitcher on Friday ever, ever. You save your best pitcher for Saturday or Sunday because you know most teams are throwing their ace out there, and you almost kind of concede one and then put your best guys against somebody else's second or third best. That that's if I were a team like Kentucky, if I were a Missouri, if I, if I were one of those teams, uh, that's what I would do. If I, right now, Ole Miss or Miss State. I do that every weekend. That, that's just me, but that's what I do. Let me unmute myself. The problem for Ole Miss and Mississippi State is they, they don't have any pitching. <laughs> Literally none. Uh, they, they have just drastic <laughs> issues uh, that, such, that cannot be explained. Such great programs. It's weird, man. It, it, it is. Uh, but uh, poor poor coaching hires uh, in, in terms of at least Mississippi State with the pitching coach, not Chris Limonis. Uh, he obviously won a national championship. Yeah, the past two natties have, have gone to the Magnolia State. Yes, and according to Steve Robertson, who covers Mississippi State for two four seven, uh, I, I kind of I knew what the answer would be, but I asked him if there was any pride in the state of Mississippi having the last two national championships, and and he thought that I was absolutely crazy for asking him that. They they could care absolutely less that the state of Mississippi has the last two national championships. And in fact, state is pissed off because Ole Miss has the most recent one. Mm-hmm. They, they they won one two years ago, and, and the state of Mississippi has the last two. 
but they could not give a you know what uh, because they are just absolutely pissed off that Ole Miss has the most recent bragging rights. So it, it was funny. it was pretty funny. But Wes, it'll be a fun weekend of baseball at Lindsey Nelson Stadium. Most likely the last weekend of baseball at Lindsey Nelson Stadium this weekend, and, and most likely four more games, which is uh, crazy to think about that uh, we we may not be back in Lindsey Nelson for uh, another game, a legitimate game, and until next next end of winter, early spring, which is uh, not fun to think about because I know you love baseball just as much as I do. But this weekend, we've got Tennessee, Kentucky, number 15, Kentucky versus number 23, Tennessee. Game one on Friday night is at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on the SEC Network Plus, and then it'll be on the actual SEC Network on Saturday at noon, and then Sunday, the series finale on Mother's Day. I am hoping that I make it to the game on Sunday and the significant other does not strangle me uh, before I can make it out of the door on her first Mother's Day. Uh, But that game, if I'm able to attend on Sunday, will be at 1 p.m. Eastern on SEC Network Plus. So uh, two SEC Network Plus games this weekend on Friday and Sunday, and then the Saturday game will be on SEC Network. And again, 6.30, 12 o'clock, and 1 o'clock. Wes, always appreciate your time, my friend. Anytime, man. You know that. Anytime. For Wes Rucker, I am Ben McKee. We all hope you have a a great weekend, especially all of the moms out there. We hope you have a wonderful Mother's Day. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, You also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. 
And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.